It's the WP Minute. Special episode today with the WP Product Talk Part 2, featuring Matt Cromwell, Leslie Sim, and of course, Kim Coleman. This is a redistribution of their Twitter space. Make sure to follow their Twitter accounts to tune in every week when they launch it. Sorry for the background noise. I'm watching my kids tonight. WPMinute.com slash subscribe, the number one way to stay connected. Okay, here we go with a Sunday night treat, WP Product Talk. WP Product Talk is essentially a crazy idea that I had and invited Kim to co-host with me where we said, honestly, we should use Twitter spaces to talk about WordPress product business stuff and see if folks are interested in, in hearing about it. And so far, I think the reception has been pretty great. Kim, did folks reach out to you and tell you what they thought of the episode and everything? Mostly just through Twitter and, and messaging, but I think they found a lot of value in, in being able to listen to it back. So I'm glad that we're recording and making that available to people. Yeah, absolutely. Shortly afterwards, Matt Medeiros from the WVM Minute reached out to me and said, hey, would you mind if we redistributed the recording for you via the WP Minute. And I said, sure, sounds great. So you can also catch the recording on Twitter if you could find it through Kim or I's profiles, but you can also catch it on the WP Minute permanently going forward. So that's a fun new feature of this Twitter space. Last week, we talked about how to monetize free plugins or free products. And this week, we're going to talk about should you build that new product? And when Kim and I discussed that idea, I was like, actually, I think I know the perfect guest host for this subject. <laughs> I don't know if Leslie feels like that's perfect or not, but she and I had talked about this. I do want to welcome Leslie to WP Product Shop. I'm messing up our name. Hey, WP Product today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. This is this is a topic that's been haunting me for for a while now. Yeah, I know. It's my audio, by the way. Yeah. Your audio is coming through great for me. Okay, great. Yeah, let's do some quick introductions. If you don't know, my name is Matt Cromwell. I'm one of the co-founders of PFWP, which last year was acquired by LiquidWeb. And we are part of the Stellar WP family of brands. And I've been doing WordPress for a super long time, built a bunch of different products and sunset a bunch of different products and didn't build a bunch of other products. And that's what we're talking about. That's me. Kim, can you introduce yourself? Sure thing. I'm Kim Coleman. I'm co-founder of Paid Memberships Pro. We're a 100% open source WordPress membership plugin. We've been developing that plugin for 12 years. And now we're getting into the flash sales business with our newer plugin, SiteWide. Awesome. And Leslie. Yeah, I'm Leslie. I've, I just, well, not just, I built a plugin called Newsletter Glue that you send email newsletters from your WordPress editor. Been doing that for two years now. And before that, I was running a digital marketing agency. Excellent. So great to have you here. I think a lot of folks know Leslie from her Twitter account where she is building in public and sharing a lot of her insights. And that's definitely where I first learned about you and reached out. And since then, we've been chatting and talking about all things business. And I just want to let everyone know if you haven't chatted with Leslie about your own business, you should because she's got great stinks and insights. And I love the way that she's learning as she goes. So thanks so much for being here. Um, Cool. So the topic is, should you build that new product? Essentially, work, especially in the WordPress space, we're all entrepreneurs and we all like building stuff. And we kind of have this itch to constantly build a new thing. And there's always an ongoing joke of like, why should I 
buy that new platform when I could just build it? Well, maybe you could build it, but should you? Uh, I kind of also like the Jurassic Park thing. Just because you could doesn't mean you should, should necessarily. So, and I think we all have some of our own stories about navigating that that line. And that's kind of where I wanted to start, if possible, is just tell us a little bit about a time in which you were struggling with the idea of whether or not you should build something new. And like, especially if you decided not to, would love to hear a little bit of details about that. And I want to pass that over to Kim first, if you, if you don't mind. Oh, for sure. I'm going to go early on when Jason and I were just getting into WordPress development. We actually built our own e-commerce products plugin and we never released it publicly. And this is before WooCommerce. I, if Jason's on, he, this might even be before like the Jigo shop time or or right around then. And I think we hesitated with that, releasing that was we were having children at the time. We were doing a lot of product of uh, agency work and we didn't really understand the product space. So I think we didn't understand how we would ever monetize something like this. The, the plugin repository existed in a very early form at that time. And I think we just let it go. But looking back on it could have been even an earlier step into serving the e-commerce WordPress space. And it's it's interesting to think back on that and wonder what could have been if we had doubled down on that instead of kind of shying away. Yeah, that's a tough one. That is a big fish. One way I picked this question was like, tell us your, what's the big fish that got away stories? Like we all have those products. It's like, oh, I kind of wish I would have built that back then. That's a, that. Being in e-commerce, that's a big one. Very, very much, yeah. And it, it did, I, I think, pave the way to our understanding of gateways and, and what we've done for mm. subscription and gateway integration. So for that, we're thankful for it. But at the same time, you're like, huh, you know. Yeah. We've been in a different landscape now, having more competition for the WooCommerce plugin if, if there were more early plugins that stayed the course. Yeah, yeah. I do constantly see new e-commerce platforms cropping up in the WordPress space. It seems it still seems really difficult though for that for for small plugins to really get into that space. Like there, there are several areas that were ripe for competition, like forms for a long time were kind of like mostly just Gravity Forms and Contact Form Seven, and then a bunch of new forms came in and took over. And then in e-commerce, I feel like. It's just been woo for a really long time. Or SEO is another one. Like forever, it was really just the all-in-one and a Yoast, but some new players have been getting in there. But on e-commerce, it really seems like it's really challenging to get into that space against WooCommerce. Yeah. Do, do you ever, are, are you, do you like sometimes kick yourself for not doing it or? I don't know. I don't know. I think that it, it would have been a different um business because broadly serving e-commerce to me, it, it's too many types of products, virtual, downloadable, customization, physical products. I like that we're, even though memberships is is a huge space also, I like that it's more specific. And, and I, I I use that as a guidance for, for new ideas for products because I, I see plugins be successful when they're very specific. And we, Leslie, you can speak to this too, but pricing a WordPress product, there is a ceiling that people are willing to pay. And for our product at the price it is, there's products that do such a small fragment of functionality for, for your WordPress site and can be that same price just because it's it's a ceiling that people are willing to pay. So when I think about new products, I think what is like a small, low support, low complexity product? And, and that's what I'd prefer. So I think I'm glad that I'm not serving e-commerce broadly. Yeah, yep, that makes sense. Leslie, what's the your big fish story? What, what what one got away, or or maybe you're in the middle of it right now? I think I think I'm in the, the middle of it right now. I'm not really sure if there's anything that's like 
I really felt that like it's gotten away. I think like, sure, I've had like lots of random ideas over the years, but like having not really it, it doesn't really feel like there's any like opportunity cost there. Yeah. Well, that, that right where you're at right now and on right on the cusp of deciding to jump for, into it or, or not, that's I think we're going to dig into that next for sure. And I'm excited to dig into that with real quick. I'll say on, on my side of things, there's several that that we were trying to balance of, of whether or not we would build or not. One of them was a, a, a CRM or a, a, actually for the nonprofit space, we call it a DRM, a donation, a donor uh, relationship manager. We went back and forth on whether we should do that to pair nicely with GiftWP. For a long time in the WordPress space, people were really saying that that kind of contact complexity just didn't belong in WordPress. But there's been a big crop of, of good CRMs coming up over the last couple of years. Groundhog comes to mind and Fluent comes to mind. There's a couple others too. And I feel like they're they're doing a good job and I, I sometimes kick myself. <laughs> I sometimes wish we really just would have jumped in and done it because it pairs so nicely with uh, with GiveWP. Yeah, and I, I think later we'll talk a little bit about why we said no and things like that. Another- why people would kind of want that all in one place. And silly to think it shouldn't be long in WordPress because WordPress is capable of being that kind of admin interface to that huge database of information. So I, I'm a big fan of one true source of information, not having separate databases and separate things connected. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like there's a big part of me that thought I would love to offer it, offer it as almost like an extension of WordPress itself. Like it would be a self-hosted thing that was work, built on WordPress, but it didn't look like WordPress. And you could like build it into like a subdomain of your site so that it's like, you know, offloading all that activity off of your main site. But I was like, as soon as we started thinking through those things, it just, the complexity really amplified. So, and then building it straight into WordPress, I, I do think the way that Groundhog and Fluent have gone about it, it seems to be working overall, but it can get overwhelming in there too. So the other big one, honestly, is we talked a lot about jumping out of the WordPress space and building a full donation SaaS platform. And honestly, we we spent about a year actually working on it, more than a year actually working on it. In the end, decided not to launch it. And that was probably one of the hardest decisions we ever made as a brand was actually starting to build something and, and actually falling in love with it personally, and then deciding not to launch it. That was rough. And we kind of decided not to launch it multiple times. It was like, let's not do it now. And then we brought it up again and, and said, oh, maybe now is a good time to launch it. And we decided again, no, not going to launch. So that, that's that been really rough. I'd love to dig into that. Like what made you decide to not launch it and then relaunch it? And then like, what, what were the decision making factors there? Yeah, I mean... I think the biggest one is just an acknowledgement that the SaaS space is just so radically different than the WordPress space in terms of, especially in terms of marketing. Like, how do you actually gain users in the WordPress space? We do have this built-in marketplace of WordPress.org, especially for freemium products. It really helps accelerate businesses really quickly overall, I would say. And in the SaaS space, you don't have that at all. You really have to essentially earn and and buy every single customer in one form or another, whether it's with sponsorships or with content marketing or with paid advertising conferences. It's just a much, much, much higher marketing investment. And that was, at the end of the day, that was the 
the thing that we just felt like we could not do was pull off the big marketing investment in order to launch it effectively. So it, I, it it's a pretty cool product, honestly, and it's kind of sitting there, but we, I don't know, it's a tough one. So cool. Other questions there? No. Um, cool. yeah. I, I have a question. Like, do you, so like now, you know, it's probably been, I don't know how, how many years since it's, you started building that. Like, do you feel like you've got the marketing firepower now if you wanted to launch it? Especially now with like the whole Stella WP behind your back. Yeah, totally. It's an interesting question because we definitely have more resourcing available. But the truth is we did, the second time around, we did make that decision not to launch together with Stella WP leadership. And so that was a joint decision the second time around. And it was really because we we're just deciding that we want to double down on the WordPress space as much as possible. And, and at the end of the day, also, it, it is essentially another donation solution, which in many ways, I think you could say is a or, or kind of a, a competitor itself to GiveWP. We did try to position it as something other than GiveWP. Like there's other reasons why you would choose the, the SaaS platform instead of the self-hosted plugin version. But at the end of the day, it felt like we probably would be like, weaning from our own customer base in some ways. Yeah. I can identify with that right now. We we said yes to a new product that we're launching soon. And there are conversations like exactly what you said, Matt, that point toward it, cannibalizing some people that would use Paid Memberships Pro. But we're going to go forward with it and just see, I think, for now. And it is another WordPress product kind of in the content restrictions slash subscriptions type space. I'm going to get like red flags from my team for how much I talk about this. But I was going to say, yeah, let's talk about this some more. This sounds yeah. like a soft launch strategy uh, right now. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. It's got to just put it out there and see how it's used kind of product. But it, I think it just got too much, cut too far within our team and, and we saw too much opportunity there. I can really briefly, it is a more direct integration between a WordPress site restriction and your Stripe merchant account. So offloading everything relating to account management subscription management, pricing, taxes, checkout to the Stripe portals, because Stripe has come so far since Paid Memberships Pro started by offering front-end user-facing interfaces for profile management, for subscription management, for billing management. So I think we just kind of looked ahead and we thought, what would Stripe pursue doing in terms of WordPress integration and and creating those connections between WordPress user accounts and their billing information in the Stripe customer portal. So it's called Restrict with Stripe. It's going to come out in the .org repository and and just kind of have a standalone page. But like you said, we don't know what it's going to mean. And there's no direct upgrade path right now between this product and Paid Memberships Pro. So it's interesting. I could be on this talk a a year from now and and crying. Yeah, I mean, that's the best part is like so many lessons learned along the way. Leslie, you had a question there? Not really, I wanted to kind of, I guess since we've been like jumping in a little bit. So in, in my notes, I identified like three different ways that you could build a new product. And I wanted, and I thought it'd be like really cool to, to talk about the ways and then like talk about where like both like your and Kim's products fall. Into, into that to kind of like help people get an idea around how to think about these things. So the, the three the three things or the three ways in which I think people can think about building new products is, so okay, the three things are like, is it a new problem? Is it a new solution? Or is it a new audience? And you can only pick one. So for example, like you can choose a new solution 
to an existing problem and audience space, which I think Matt yours falls into. Yeah, because it's yeah, it's like same same donation problem, but like and same audience, but then the new solution is like SaaS instead of WordPress. And then the other one is new audience, but same problem and solution. So the example that I had there was Yoast creating a Shopify app. So it's like the same the same problem, right? It's like SEO, websites need SEO. And the same solution, it's still Yoast, but it's a new audience because it's not WordPress anymore. It's on Shopify. And then the third one is new problem in the same solution and audience space. So the example I gave here was like Canva making websites now. They're like, they're pretty much just like using Canva as the foundation. And then like, instead of building graphics, you you can build websites. And it's the same audience as like people who are no coders or like marketers who don't want to bother the dev teams or like social media people, that kind of audience. But it's like a completely new problem. So I'm like kind of curious, like Kim, where, where this restrict strike yeah, right. I would I would say this is for me a new problem in the same solution audience space. The problem being the way that Paid Memberships Pro works, the way that most member subscription products work. You set up the details about the membership and the price and all the things they can access across your site, kind of within WordPress, and then you tell Stripe about it when they do checkout. So this is this is sites that want Stripe to be the end all be all. Maybe they're already using Stripe. Uh, for other billing information for their product. Maybe they set up Stripe payment buttons or invoices and they send people to. So they're not as into the management of it in the WordPress side. They don't want to use WordPress to be to see all of their members. They're just so embedded and committed to what their tools are in Stripe. I mean, they don't have like another gateway need. So we're trying to give them a way to a direct link between restricted single page on the WordPress site, a single post, single category of content, but offload all of that to Stripe. Just all the PCI happens on Stripe side. All the compliance and, and things happen over there. So I don't know. I, I would say it's a new problem. I, um, For one, I love this separation that, or these three ways that you frame the, the, the question there, Leslie. I think that makes tons of sense. There might be other additional ways too, but these, these three fit really, really nicely overall. A new solution in an existing problem and audience space. New audience in the same problem and solution. And a new problem in the same solution in audience space. We're going to need to tweet that out or something. Real real quick, though, actually, one thing I forgot to do, like best practice with Twitter space stuff. If you have questions or whatnot, folks who are listening in, definitely feel free to reply to one of the tweets or, or do a retweet or anything. The best way, though, is if you could use the hashtag WP product talk, um, then that uh, I'm watching that. It, there's absolutely zero activity there right now. So we we get to own that space if we want. So Hashtag WP product talk and I'll pay attention. Matt Pritchett does have a good question. I'm, I'm going to get to that in just a little bit. But one thing I love, Leslie, we we did make one decision to, to to build a new product that you might not have even heard about. We do have this free plugin called uh, Donation Block for, for Stripe, which essentially is a donation form, just like if WP but it's only Stripe and it's a and it's a single block. And essentially that would fit in your new problem in the same solution and audience space. So we're still in WordPress, we're still targeting nonprofits, we're still doing donations, but we're tackling it in a different way with the with the donation block. And we did that because of the the block library. It, it's kind of a new market. It's I mean, it's kind of the same market, but it's also a new entry point that people, a discovery point that folks can find you with. Uh, we wanted to build a one block plugin 
that does donations only with Stripe. And it kind of, at the end of the day, serves also as a little bit of a soft upsell to GiveWP because the donation block can't do all the big, awesome things that GiveWP does. So, I can, I'll go over this quick. If anyone listening isn't aware, when you're in the block, click that plus button. You can bring up the browse all. If you search for a block by keyword or term that might not already exist in your in your specific WordPress site's library, it actually proposes some plugins that are single block plugins like Matt's talking about, correct me if I'm wrong, that you can then install and instantly insert into your post. So it behind the scenes then I think installs the plugin. I think Lifter LMS has one also like this. And it is kind of a cool for people that use the block, their block library are searching for certain keywords. I think there's a cool pricing table block that even shows up. It's like exactly what you said, Matt. It's like a, a lead in if someone discovers that blocked and like, oh, well, who are the people behind this? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we all know how powerful it is that folks can just do add plugin and they'll find you in their work in their WordPress website. This is the same idea. They're in Gutenberg and they're like building out their page and they think, oh, I, I want to add a donation plugin here. So I'll just like search for donation and it pops up there. We don't know for sure how many folks are really discovering things that way, but it, it, it's been out for about a year. And I think the last I saw we're at 400 active installs of that plugin. So I'm going to look it up, but cool. Nice. I, I can argue that that's like product or like dev as marketing though. I wouldn't really say that it's a separate product because like the, the kind of like goal of that is to feed into GiveWP, right? Yeah. I mean, in some ways also, just in terms of like product by itself, it's also, I would say, probably like the absolute quickest way to get a donation form on your website, like in in like less than five minutes. You, you literally install the block and connect to Stripe and hit publish. It's super, super quick. So there are real product reasons for it too. Well, it almost might be considered like a, a GiveWP light in many ways, but but... Yes, a little bit of product as marketing and also just kind of like we want to know more about the block library and and whether or not it has a lot of potential or not. So we're still figuring that out. Nice. So I think it's definitely time for us to dig in on Leslie's pain point. Leslie, walk us through. uh, Should we we talk about Matt's, should we answer Matt's question first? How and why to say no to new products? Oh, no, sorry. Matt Pritchett had, had, a, had a question. Oh, Matt Pritchett, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that was pertaining to, yeah. Uh, yep. How did y'all deal with any dip into employee morale after working on something for a year only to watch it be shelved? Yeah, I mean, it definitely was a tough one for sure. And actually, Jason Adams is listening in right now. And he might be even best to talk through it because it was really the development team that had put the most work into the product and the development team that loved it and was highly interested in it. I I think overall, the biggest thing that helped us was truthfully, I want to say that that everyone loved working for us regardless and enjoyed our products, both in terms of the SaaS we were building and the WordPress plugin as well. Like, I think we had a really good foundation of general high satisfaction in terms of being on the team and and being involved. I think that really set the tone. And then at the end of the day, I think the only thing worse than not launching a product that you love is launching a product that you love and seeing it fail. I think that is actually way worse than than not launching. So 
And I, we just, the way that we talked through it a bit was really that we felt like we didn't really have enough of the long-term marketing support to, to really make it succeed. And that made a lot of sense to the development team. They, the last thing they wanted was to build something awesome and incredible and, and just see it not actually survive in the long run. So that's kind of my short answer. Pritchett, if you're, if you're there still, would love to hear your response on your tweet. I don't know. Kim, Leslie, how's that sound? It sounds pretty authentic and, and true to what, what any team should have is if we all have like the respect for one another and the trust for the decision making, we can take what we learned from the project, from developing it. And it's not to say in two years, there isn't an opportunity that presents itself that you're on board for it. We kind of have done the same thing a lot. We use the shape up method for cycle work. And there's a lot that's come out of cycle work that is sitting, waiting for someone to to give it the attention it needs to push it over the finish line. And I think the devs just keep moving forward and products like that, like they need a champion from all sides of the business to move something forward. So even if you planned on releasing it in the future and you just were waiting for someone in marketing to pick up that and start running with it, that happens within our team as well. And I think the respect and that foundation, the feelings don't get too high. I'm going to bring in Jason super quick since he is here and he's going to speak to the 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 way he managed the, the dev team. So he requested, here we go. Jason, you should see the ability to speak now. There you are. Nope. Looks like you accept. There you go. You're muted, Jason. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now we hear you. Oh. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, of course. I had no idea. I just saw this and was like, oh, I'll join. So I really like the question. Honestly, as, as the person who was managing the devs at the time, like it was something I thought a lot about is how is everybody going to feel? And I think like the, the real answer to the question is to not act as if it's not a problem. If you if you just like move quote your resources on, you're like, hey, so you've been working on that project for two years. Well, guess what? Now you're not. But don't worry. Like <laughs> if you just move them with no explanation, it's really demoralizing to people to just feel like yeah. they're shiftable like that. Versus we did, we were really transparent with them. We really tried to explain like the the business decision, bring them in on why it wasn't being launched. And and then also to like to share with them because they were being shifted over to give WP. And I really tried to share with them why I was really excited to have them on Give WP. As like, so yeah, working on this over here using Laravel, and you you have brought concepts that we don't have in Give. And I would love to have your personal input and effect on this product over here. So to first yep. just acknowledge like, yep, it's probably not happening. Here's why we're sorry. And we totally get it. If you're really bummed, we want to give you space to be bummed. But also we're really excited to have you move over to get WP for these specific reasons. Yeah. And I would say that since then, the work that's been done on GiveWP has been amazing. So I think in retrospect, we definitely made the right decision because the benefit of all those devs working on GiveWP has been immense. So we we only got five more minutes. So Jason, I'm going to kick you off. Thanks so much for, for your perspective. That was super valuable and insightful. You bet. And of course, thanks for your leadership. And uh, Leslie, we really only have like... Four more minutes. We ended up talking about my stuff way too much. This is terrible. Leslie, 
bring us in. Tell us what you're going through right now, how you're balancing this problem of should I launch? Should I not launch? Is it shiny new object syndrome? Or are you able to really answer your yep. this in the context of your three options? Like, is it a new solution or a new audience or a new problem? Tell us about it. Yeah, the time went super quickly. I didn't realize we've already gone 37 minutes in. So yeah, we are, we're, we're currently thinking about launching a new product. And it's something that pretty much from, I would say like, Maybe not like day one, but like, I don't know, day 10 or something, people were either asking for it or like I'd be talking to other founders and they'd be like, hey, shouldn't you just do this other thing instead? Like that makes so much more sense. And and I was always kind of like intimidated by it and like, no, we need to not get distracted and not do a hundred different things while we're still trying to launch the first thing. But like now it's kind of feeling like the right time. And so I'm kind of in the same position as Kim where like, I'm like, I don't really want to talk about it in public yet, but like, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to be like a little bit mysterious about the thing that they were talking about, but it does have to do with email newsletters in the WordPress space. So I would say like, in my case, it would be new solution to an existing problem and audience space. Yeah. Kind of like, kind of like you, Matt, like um, building the SaaS version of GiveWP, I think like that's kind of what we're thinking about and where we're looking at. Kind of like SaaS, but within the WordPress space. I think like that's sure. been really interesting. People like, I don't know that it's like slipping my head right now, but like there are a bunch of, I guess even like Jetpack is kind of moving towards that. That kind of like, it's like it's SaaS, yeah. but then it's so WordPress plugin. Yeah. I think like that's really attractive. And so like the, the three problem, solution, target audience, pick one thing that I came up with is just kind of how I've looked at building like whether yeah like building building new stuff because I feel like you have to leverage like if you spend time on a problem or on building a solution and talking to an audience you have that and you should leverage it and like if you if I were to go into I don't know AI or something right now I, I think I would have to spend a whole bunch of time starting from scratch and if Unless, and I think like that would be really, really hard unless you wanted to get rid of the current thing that you're working on and just like go start something completely new. But if you want to do both of them, then I think there has to be like quite a lot of overlap and like people don't like this word, but like synergy just to maintain your sanity and help like let the two kind of like push each other forward, I think. Can you say whether this product is kind of an evolution of newsletter glue or if it would operate in tandem or alongside? I think it's an evolution. An evolution. Cool. Yeah. And then I think when built, when deciding on new, new or new product, should you do this or not? Is this something that you kind of have to hire and contract out or is it something that the skills within your existing team can support developing, marketing, maintaining or do you have to like grow the team or do you have to hire some contractors to complete some of the work? Yeah, so we, we hired a country. So that, that was actually one of the reasons why I kind of dragged my feet on it for so long. It's just like we don't have the the resources to do it. We don't have the bandwidth. And then I realized like that's that's the complete opposite of VP lean startup thinking. Like I should really just be building something and like seeing how that goes and like launching a closed beta and you're know, like doing all of that stuff. And that's, Way less in intimidating than very mad, but like spending yeah building something secretly. Yeah. And so like yeah, so I guess like right now we're not really committing anything really. Like we, we don't have to commit marketing. I, I have like a separate developer working on it and that's about it. And then like I can I can help like get it off the ground myself. 
And if it if it works, like great. But then then we have the resources. We'll have like hopefully some money coming in, and then we'll have the resources, and then we also have the justification to really put some marketing power behind it. Yeah, awesome. I'm excited to watch. I hope that the timeline isn't super long, and that we'll get to know more about what you've kind of teased here a little bit. That's cool. Yeah, I hope so. Fingers crossed. Nice. One one other thing that I also wanted to talk about was like, so for us, or for me at least, like in the time that I had this idea and like kind of like kept thinking about it, thinking about it, like one of the reasons why I didn't do it was like because there were so many unknowns, like what if it works or it doesn't work. I'm already committed to this other like new set of glue thing. And then I realized like, again, like there was such a dumb perspective because like only way to, I guess, like figure out the unknowns is to dive in and like start executing on it and like finding answers right I can't like sit there with like the 100 question marks and just be like oh look too many question marks guess I'm not doing it and so like one like I think like that was one of the light bulb moments in my head like once it occurred to me that I was being kind of sitting, sitting there with all my question marks and like, what I should actually be doing is like tackling the question marks one at a time that kind of like once I realized that, then I was like, okay, yeah, green light, let's just do it. And similar to you, like if it fails, then, you know, it failed at like question mark one, right? And then we can always throw it away then. Or like, oh wait, question mark one, not to be great. And then let's move on and like, let's tackle question mark two. And like at any point, we can still throw it away. But like the only way we'll know is by like sorting through and executing on each of those unknowns and like figuring out like, is this viable? Oh yes, it's viable except for this and like go solve that and then is it viable now? And like, yes, it's, more, it's closer to viability but then this and then so and so forth. Mm. I like that because we kind of have been pitching this as a yes or no question. You're saying it doesn't have to be so polar. It could be yes, but does it have to be the whole big thing? No, you could also pare it down. And also Derek Ashwar is on and he's giving some energy about like, just make the products, ship it. And I, I, I love that entrepreneurial spirit. And there is a, a sense in which sometimes like maybe the answer isn't just a simple yes or no. Maybe it's like, well, let's take a stab in the right direction first. Let's let maybe pare it down to the bare minimum and, and learn something like start to answer some of those question marks with a smaller lawn, essentially. Yeah, you definitely learn a lot as you begin building. And you begin trying to craft messaging for something. The pitfall, I think, is all of our teams, we represent such a broad skill range. So it, it's it's not something we have to hire out. Like we actually have someone on our team that like, oh yeah, you can, I can build that. Oh yeah, I can design a logo for that. Oh yeah, I can write a description of that. So I think it's easy to roll down that path pretty quickly because we are problem solvers. We are capable and we have all these skills represented on our teams. But yeah, Absolutely. Well, folks, we have hit the 46-minute mark. It's a record. I mean, it's only our second episode. I had a feeling like talking with Leslie, I was like, we're going to be able to talk about this for a long time, potentially. But I feel like we do need to wrap it up. Kim, Leslie, any last thoughts? Any last suggestions? Uh, I would say no. I guess I'll go. You go. Okay. Uh, I guess I'm going. Yeah, just like the the last thought on, on this, like, unpacking the unknowns and moving forward one step at a time. It's like, I think especially if you already have a successful product and you've got like the, a whole team in place, like Kim mentioned, it can be tempting to build like way more than you need to in order to validate something or to answer a question. And I think like 
making sure you're putting in the time to craft the the question correctly so that you come up with like small enough experiments just to answer that specific question, I think is really important. And that's just like to avoid overbuilding. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I'm seeing this like as someone who always falls into that trap. And so this is as much a reminder as it is advice to anyone listening. Yeah. Good one. Kim. Perfect. I was just going to say, give yourself a time frame. Let yourself explore it because if anything else, like it'll renew your, the creativity in your mind. It'll renew your interest in your own product that is succeeding and, and going smoothly for you. So I think if you can set kind of build a fence around what you're going to do, like Leslie said, like make sure you're answering the right question, pursue it for a little bit and then reflect. Absolutely. I think my biggest advice would be just ship it. I, I don't, I, I'm still very much in the, like, I think it's better to, to, to send it out and see what happens and, and, and fail and try it again. There, 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 uh, there's definitely reasons why we said no to certain things, but I think it's, it's, I think overall, if I had a recommendation for everybody listening in, listening in, I would say ship it, figure it out later and, uh, and learn as you go. That's, that's better than, than not shipping at the end of the day, but, uh, but there's always reasons both sides. Thanks so much. So great talking as always. Kim's always bringing the great insight and expertise. Leslie, thanks so much for being here. Everybody, if you could do us a favor, just send out a tweet of the of the talk today saying what you learned, what you liked, what you didn't like, what you loved, any of that, and make sure to tune in next week. Kim, who do we have next week? Next week, we have Natalie Luce here from Access Ally, and we're going to be talking of kind of ownership of your product roadmap within your team. So you have all these operating units within your team, developers, marketing, and you look to your customers for feedback. You have your C-suite and your owners who owns your product roadmap and how do you collaborate on that? Awesome. I'm excited. I haven't met Natalie myself, so I'll, this is going to be exciting and awesome. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. We'll be there 6 p.m. Eastern time next week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Hey, listener, did you enjoy this content? If you did, support the show at buymeacoffee.com slash Report. You can support the show for as little as $5 or join the Slack membership for $79 a year at buymeacoffee.com slash Report. But that's not the only way you can contribute. If you want to contribute content to the WP Minute, we're building this platform for you to get your message out, to get your content out. Fancy yourself a WordPress podcaster, blogger, but don't want to spin up your own instance yet? Head on over to the wpminute.com slash contact. Let us know you want to jump in and help us create content, you'll get a free membership. Okay, see you in the next episode.